0: This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugar-coated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm learning to embrace and celebrate my feminine magic. My go-to MAC lip color is matte, all fired up. And I got three new tattoos in the last week. Hi, I'm Yvette.
1: I'm a type A OCD control freak in recovery, thanks to my yoga teacher training. I have met two presidents, and I've traveled to six continents and lived in three. Hi, I'm Janelle.
2: The lead singer of Weezer's Dad was once my tour guide. I'm a very anxious host, and I have a receding hairline, but it's more extreme on one side than the other.
3: And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. What two presidents is it? Rivers
0: Kumo? Oh, sorry.
2: I'm all like, what? Believe me, it's Rivers Kumo,
0: right?
2: I don't know what you're saying. Okay, it's fine. (laughs) Wait, what are you talking about? (laughs) What two presidents? Let's
0: just.
2: Ask about her question. Wait, is what
0: Rivers, two wait, you? wait, 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 wait. Is Rivers Kumo a band?
2: No, the lead singer, Weezer. I, I can't see his name right How would you
0: even know that? Joe so uh, would know.
2: It's like his favorite band.
0: <laughs> Rivers <laughs>
2: Kumo. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, Rivers whatever.
0: Cuomo? Kumo. Like with Cuomo. A C U O O M O. I'm so phonetic. bad at pronouncing We need these. the phonetics. Oh, here. It's Cuomo. I just looked it up. Cuomo. Cuomo. See?
2: So I was like, I'm going to say the lead singer. Anyway,
0: what presidents did you meet, I bet?
1: I have met the president of Uganda and um, uh, President Obama. I went trick-or-treating at the White House.
3: What? Oh, yeah.
1: It was so epic. What did yeah. you dress up as? It was amazing. Um, we were like a pirate family. I was kind of <laughs> like a pirate gypsy my husband's a pirate and our son who was like 11 months old 10 months old at the time was a parrot it was like oh the cutest gosh, thing that's
2: so cute you guys are like big halloween people aren't you because i feel like you big always halloween. have the best fun fa- like family costumes every year i
1: love halloween i yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty great i'm a little concerned about this year because i don't know what like social distancing halloween is gonna look like like we're just oh gonna gosh, trick so or treat true. in our backyard. <laughs> Holy shit. And I already am do- thinking about this. This is how upset I am. Yeah.
3: You oh could my- maybe you could go in like a bubble or wait, like um
1: wait. like a space suit or and like not get anything from it Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh duh <laughs> I'm thinking
1: about the
0: costume? It's like, like you need to get, just get your, your own. Like something safe. It's like you need to get your own big bin of candy and then Zoom. And then every time your kids go to a person's house, quote unquote, through Zoom, you throw some candy in there.
1: Oh, that's good. It's sad. It's like terribly
0: sad. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that
1: would
3: be sad.
2: You can totally, I would be a person you could call to Zoom. (laughs) You can ring my virtual doorbell.
0: Oh, thanks it's so weird i'm like not i hadn't even i'm so in i don't even know what month it is i forgot that there are other (laughs) that's so fucking crazy well well equally as shocking fourth of july is next week i know i'm actually nervous about that because i think people in dallas are just not gonna care yeah what was your best halloween costume
1: Oh gosh. There has been there has been so many. Um most recently, like the family costumes. I can't really like talk about college costumes because they're not very appropriate. But um <laughs> well now I wanna know. I mean, we love it appropriate <laughs> your comfort level. <laughs> Um, my, like, college friends equally loved. I think we were, like, Halloween soulmates because we all equally loved Halloween. So every year we did a group class. Um, it was amazing. But last year we were a family of sloths. And that was super fun, except for when we tried to start walking like sloths, it only lasted about five <laughs> seconds because walking <laughs> really slow for an extended period of time is so annoying and it gets old really fast. Um so but, but it was it was tons of fun. <laughs> Actually the five of us. My mom, my husband, and our two kids.
2: I love that. I've never done a group costume. What? And I've always wanted
0: to. know, come to Dallas. Friends, come apparently. to Dallas. <laughs> come to Dallas and we'll do a group
3: costume. Can
2: we please? I don't even know if I've done a couples costume.
0: What? Do you know. like
2: Halloween? I love Halloween.
0: What the fuck? But dude? we haven't really
2: celebrated it.
0: Dylan said this morning that yeah. you should just move to Dallas and live in our living room. And then you could be a triple Halloween costume with us.
2: Yes! I mean, I was thinking that with all my plans right now, and especially potentially the delay of some things in my life. I'm like, maybe I'll just like fly down to Dallas. You
3: should.
0: Although you guys got the, Dude, do the it. COVID, but I would still do it. Oh yeah, we do not personally, I but love we do Donald have it. I love Dylan loves
3: anyway. me too.
0: Dylan always is like, just tell her to quit her job and move in. I'm like, okay,
2: (laughs) I can. Okay, can I tell you that I think I'm the kind of person, like I love third wheeling it with couples. Like, I mean, sometimes, yes, it's like, okay, I'd want to be in a couple. But, like, generally, I'm like, I love going to other people's houses. I love, like, come on, come join. And they cook me dinner. And I'm just like,
0: yes, it's the best. I mean, it's kind of the perfect scenario because, like, Dylan loves being friends with girls and we're friends. It's like literally the perfect thing. So There you go. <laughs> we just gotta make it happen. Oh. What's the All right. weirdest you costume you a couple, you... couple of weeks. Yeah. What's the weirdest costume you ever had? I bet you came up with something weird. Me?
3: Yeah. Ooh. Um An This wasn't wash.
0: actually a Halloween class. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, okay. If I tell you my idea, I have an idea for a Halloween costume this year, but I don't know if I want to say it publicly because someone will steal it. Oh so yeah, don't, don't do that. Like...
0: Don't do that. I've made that mistake a, before. I have a really good idea yeah. for this year,
2: but this was not for Halloween. But we did themed socials all the time in college, so we basically dressed up all the time. And I was one of ones from like Nintendo N sixty four. That was one of my favorite ones, and I made my own styrofoam like mushroom top. That I wore out of stuff in the craft store, and I like cut up a T-shirt and I had a little vest, and I was super adorable. But then I went to the bars, and everyone tried to touch my toad head, and that oh, was very uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, I was like, don't touch me. <laughs> but it was a great costume. What about you, Rachel? I I've
0: I had a I've had a lot of doozies over the year. I, the one that came to me first was when I was a kid. I feel like I've said this on the podcast before, but I was. A, I think you have. Yeah, I was a serial killer. So I was in a cornflakes box. I painted the cornflakes box, and then I opened the door, and then had like a fake, like gun. It's terrible, right? I'm crazy. Um, but I wanted to be a forensic psychologist when I was a kid, and on the bomb squad and stuff. So I was kind of a weirdo. Um, but then I, one year, my parents, just, I don't know why they decided to visit for Halloween. It's kind of weird. I was in Minnesota, and I in convinced. College? No, no, after. But I convinced all of them, my boyfriend at the time and them, to be um, full house characters. So I had a little Michelle doll and I was Uncle Jesse. And then they were each like different characters. That was pretty fun. That's amazing. I've always
2: wanted to do the mystery gang from Scooby-Doo. I actually tried to get the uh, learning and development in my body to do it with me. I love Scooby Doo. I love that
3: would be interesting.
2: So do I. Why can't we dress up every
3: day? We can. I would. I think I'm gonna start. We totally can. We We can. Totally
0: can. So I'm doing this. I know. I'm doing this um, Cti course for part of my coach certification. uh, Lululemon, as part of an internal Lululemon coach, they that's the program that they want us all to go through. So I'm in day two of the three day course, the second chunk of it, and we had to. Uh, long story short, the action that the the resonant action that I came up with for myself today was to in in embracing my femininity, which is why I wrote that in the intro, was to dress up in my like sexiest outfit and go buy chocolate chip cookies from the grocery store, and so I ha- I put lipstick I love on. It. And I strutted my stuff down the aisle and, like, picked up a bag of cookies. But it sucks because you have to wear the mask, so the lipstick really couldn't be seen. But I forgot how good I looked.
2: It was for you. It
0: that was, was for you. sure. That, for I me. love that. It was awesome. Like, I was like, why do I... Because, I mean, you know me, Janelle. I'm pretty, like, non-binary. Like, I'll just kind of, like, I don't know. I don't really embrace the real girly sides of myself and... I kind of like having a shaved head and stuff like that. And so I don't really spend a lot of time unless I'm going to, like, a wedding dressing up. But I, like, put that dress on and I was just like, damn. And I, like, I could feel people looking at me and I was just like, this feels good. And so I just was, like, owning it. It felt great. So, yeah, I say you can dress up whenever you want. I'm going to do that more often. I feel like I would
3: do that. And wear heels and fall through store because the floors are always so slippery. Were you wearing heels?
0: Well, that's the sad part. My, the people that are holding me accountable are going to be pissed because so much of my stuff's in storage. So I have these amazing clog high heels that have, like, rubbery bottoms so they don't slip. That's what I always wear to weddings. Um, and I spent Smart. a dumb amount of money on them back when I was in advertising. They were, like, my dress shoes. Um but they're in storage they're like at the very bottom so i wore my um Birkenstocks. <laughs> i was like Birkenstocks <laughs> or tivas those are my choices <laughs> so i had hoops in my mac lip gloss or my lipstick it was a matte mac just like popping and it's this super tight short dress <laughs>
2: just pop it I
0: love it. Fuck. oh my god it's so good just pop it I'll send you guys a photo uh, it's good yeah well i
1: been it. thinking of, I've been thinking about the like the inadequate like the how makeup and lipstick specifically is just completely is just not necessary anymore <laughs> because no. everybody's half of their face are covered you know but, yeah. Janelle, you could rock your lashes and, like, that's all, right? Like, that's all people need right now. like, because yes. otherwise, it just rubs off anyways. That.
2: That is true.
1: I'm quitting lashes, though. <gasps>
0: Gasp. I'm done. I'm glad. You look, I mean, you look good with <laughs> both. Work. You look good with both, but I don't like you without them. Just,
2: I am getting uh, my eyebrows microbladed again, though, on Sunday.
0: Is that where they get darker?
2: Yeah, they just fill them in. They're still done, but it's like a tattoo that fades every year. Yeah. So I'm still going to do that. It is like once a year. You could go, I've, both times, I guess I've gone a little over a year, um, but it's like a year to a year and a half you get it done. So worth it.
0: I have 90s eyebrows. Do you know what that means? They're thin. (laughs) I over plucked them like every other person yeah. in eighth grade with me. <laughs> yeah, they really didn't ever grow back. It really sucks. That
2: was, yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people. I'm glad yeah. that I was too young and came from a family that had no beauty standards. So like mine were just bushy and had nothing going on. I mean, they're still super light anyway, but we didn't really pluck our eyebrows. So. Oops. <laughs> I don't think I plucked my eyebrows till college. So many things.
0: Now bushy brows are in.
2: That is true. And mine aren't that bushy anymore. So
0: funny.
2: Uh that's okay. That's why I don't just change it. It's just go with the flow, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. You'll be you'll be it at some point. Just gotta wait it out, I guess. <laughs> that is kind of true though. I know. I, I would like to think. Hopefully. We're
2: all it all the time.
0: Well, pretty soon, thank gosh for this fucking, all this stuff that's going on. I do think that it's definitely starting to put a lot more visibility on normalizing the variety that's out there, which is so much more interesting. It's like, Mm. oh my gosh, it's people, truly, in the last two weeks, I feel like I've seen more bodies and more versions of of all like all of it and like just how beautiful the in it it is like instead of seeing the same same thing over and over and over again it's like so permission giving I mean I felt so good putting that tight dress on even though I haven't worked out in like a week which is not that big of a deal but you know I I have the conditioning so yeah, it feels good. Mm-hmm. I know I'm proud of you. when you said that because I know
2: I tight dresses and just yeah. like, things to jump over and I was like, get it, Rachel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's this size zero dress at um, Lululemon right now that would be so tight and literally would show off everything. And I've been, like, debating whether I should get it or not because I don't want to just buy something to have it sit in the closet. But if I would genuinely wear it, like, it'd be a fun summer thing. It's got, like, a shelf bra in it. So I don't even have to wear a bra. That'd be amazing. So I'm gonna flip Blue a. Coin. lemon
1: dresses are like the best.
0: I know. But it's a size zero, and it's I'm so not. Good. I'm not a size. <laughs> not a size zero, but it's on sale, so it it would be like cheaper, and it's stretchy. I
2: feel like I do that all the time. I'm
0: like, <laughs> this isn't my size, but it's on
2: sale, so I'm gonna figure out a way to make <laughs> it I know. Oh boy. One time. <laughs> My mom does this thing where sometimes she'll buy herself presents for us to give to her. And you can't see me really in my eyes, but I am. And one year she bought herself a sweater and then I, think, I don't know if she had my sister give it to me or something. And then she, like someone just was like, oh, this is for mom. And I thought it was mine. And I showed up like a couple of. <laughs> Weeks. I think it was for Christmas, before Christmas, wearing the sweater, and she's like, "You know, I bought that for you to give to me." And I was like, "Oh, it makes sense why was was my size." <laughs> and like, here I'm in this like oversized sweater that I thought was super cute. <laughs> and my mom bought it for Oh my for god, my I love that. <laughs> I was like, "Whoops," and I still have it, <laughs> and I still love it. <laughs> but That's I'm like, hilarious. "I'll make this work." I was like, "Whatever, it's not my size." <laughs>
0: <I can laughs> <switch it." laughs> I still
2: like it. Yeah. All right. Shall I introduce our third voice?
0: Let's do it.
3: Before we introduce that, Rachel and I are putting out the call. We're looking for guests to come on the Collective podcast for late 2020 and early 2021. If you are interested or you know someone that you think would be a great fit, please send us an email to hello at the dot org for more information. All right, let's get back
2: to the podcast. Cool. So we have
1: Yvette
2: on the line, and I know Yvette from my time at MindBody. Yvette has such an amazing background. I mean, from the time I met you, there's there's this knowledge, professionalism, poise, but then also this very like relaxed, open-minded side to you that I've always really appreciated because I think I play in that duality quite a bit too where I'm like okay I know I can come do that and she's gonna have these great ideas and in the, a professional sense it's like very um, natural and like we can create all these things but then at the same time like you're the same type of person that I could always go to and just have like a very real down-to-earth conversation that I never felt judged when we are having it, so I've always appreciated that about you. But your background from a learning and development professional to working at Lululemon, to working for Disney, to being a mother of two, marrying your soulmate, you have a master's degree in public health, and even on the side, you also are starting a low waste journey, which people can follow at Mom's Talk Trash on Instagram where you're starting to do composting in your own backyard which is amazing especially as a mother of two and a professional and just like an outstanding human in general so welcome to the podcast
1: Yvette thank you so much guys thank you for having me
2: we're excited I think I got it all. I'm like, <laughs> reading through, I'm like, there's so many things that I could say about you. So I'm like trying to keep it, like, all, I want to do all your thunder as <laughs> we jump into the podcast. But um, why don't you tell us in your own words a little bit about how you got to where you
1: are today? Yeah. Thanks, Janelle. It's been, I mean, it's been a journey, right? Like, we're all on. I, I was born in Mexico, and I grew up in South Texas. And went off to college, like you know, like so many people, and started discovering the outside world, traveled and studied abroad. And then eventually made my way out to California um, to come to, quote-unquote, air quotes, grad school. But really, the love of my life was out here. And although I would never admit that I was moving across the country for a boy, and um, he eventually became my husband, so it worked out. But during that time, I... I studied public health and was really super passionate about improving the health of populations and preventing disease and promoting wellness and doing some really incredible global health things. I worked in Africa and Asia and Latin America. And and on the outside, it looked really, um, in a way, glamorous to be able to do all of these really amazing things with some incredible researchers and professors and um, global health professionals. And there was something there that just wasn't, um, that that for me wasn't fulfilling me entirely. And, and then we had this opportunity, my husband and I, to move to Australia. And we had actually just bought a house in, in um, the Pasadena area. And we were telling ourselves we were gonna settle down. And then this opportunity came up Not a year later. And so we packed up our stuff, put it in our garage, rented our house, and moved halfway across the world and had the most amazing, incredible experience time of our life. And I think we'd still be there. We loved Australia so much. I think we'd still be there if it wasn't so far away from our families, who we also love very much. Um, But while we were there, it kind of gave me this opportunity to explore new things. And that's where I really got to know and, and I met Lou Lemon and all of its incredible people I worked um, I, I took a job working at one of their retail stores and to most of the people who knew me at that point um, that seemed really strange <laughs> something that I normally wouldn't do had we still been living in LA I was working at the University of Southern California um, managing the Institute for Global Health and I took this job in retail. And it was, it was because I really wanted, I was really inspired um, by what Blue Lemon was doing and how it invested in people and um, how I invested in people's development. And also, you know, it was kind of this, um, this like long, long-term vacation that I felt like we were on. Like I, I had the opportunity to step away from the facade of my professionalism and do something that just really Parked my fire and, um, and I was, you know, just kind of unapologetically just doing something that I was taking this risk on and it just paid off so much because I grew incredibly from it. I started my learning and development career there learned from like what I considered to be the best of the best and met best friends that, you know, will last a lifetime. And then we, you know, traveled and did all these amazing things and then came back and, and that transition back was tough. Um, But, you know, every kind of every stage we've learned something new and now we're, you know, we're living, I, and it sounds so cliche to say this, (laughs) but we're living our vision. Like we set this vision to live, uh, to live in Santa Barbara. Um, and it was always kind of a 10 year vision. It was out there really far away. And, and, um, late last year, we just said like, screw it, like, let's do it now. And, um, and we did and, uh, and, and we're here. And so, um, now I have two amazing kids. I, like you said, I'm married. I really do feel like I'm married to my soulmate and, um, we're just incredibly grateful to have and be around family that we love and, um, and we're, we're here.
2: That's awesome. Okay. This has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but I get really curious. How do you know that someone is your soulmate?
1: Like, what does that feel like? (laughs) So, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you, um, and I know that's not what we're talking about today, but it's kind of, I mean, it feels just like incredibly like your home like you're you're just your home you're you don't have to hide anything about yourself you can be completely open and vulnerable and and there's this feeling of um of safety and uh and like a lot of fun um and I every since the moment like since the day I met Joe like I have laughed every day and um and yeah and th- there's this other kind of really weird story that I will tell you guys because I feel like you might appreciate it Love um there I went um years ago when I first started my yoga journey I went on this yoga retreat and met this incredible healer teacher um who practiced practices a lot of energy healing in Reiki and after the yoga retreat I went on I had this pretty it's a, a life-changing experience. And then I later took Joe. We were already married at the time. We took Joe to have a like a healing session with this man and 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 he did a reiki session for Joe, and then he did one for for me, and then we came together and talked about it. And so the so something that, you know, the listeners probably don't know and Rachel I don't know if you know but um Joe is in a wheelchair he had um, a spinal cord injury in 2007 um and was it 2000 oh my gosh I can't 2009 I always mess up the date um, but it's been about 11 yeah I guess 11 years ago and um and 2007 we got married in 2009 there you go after you have kids your memory like becomes mush. So yeah, I
2: don't
1: um, have that excuse and <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways we were we we had been together for a while. We went to both the healer and and he sat us down after our individual sessions and said um and so so you know Joe had the spinal cord injury, and we had been on this healing journey together. We were together when it happened. and um, I think that brought us even closer together and and the healer said, you know, um, you guys knew, and I don't know, you know, you can believe what you believe about this. And it's kind of wild. Um, he said, you guys knew each other in a past life. You were together in a past life. And I kind of, you know, stared at him like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's so crazy. And he said, yeah, um, you guys knew each other and it didn't end well. And you, um, You know, whatever happened, it didn't end well. And in this life, you chose to come together. You chose Joe, both of you together. Chose Joe's injury, and as a way to bring yourselves back together and really solidify this bond that you guys have. And uh, like, I get, sh- I am like, I have goosebumps just telling you guys a story. Like, I say, I have tells not too. <laughs> I'm chills right too. It's just like like what like that is crazy right like it just sounds like bananas and then at this deep level like in my body and in my soul like I'm like I believe that that's true like I I can feel that I can feel the truth in that and um and that's just kind of like I know not everybody finds their soulmate that way <laughs> but that's just kind of like what um it just it. That's what it feels like for me.
0: Uh, wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. My yeah. jaw is like on the ground. Like, what a powerful story. And no matter what anyone believes, it kind of doesn't really matter. You know, if you feel it within you, that's all that really matters. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Did you, when when you guys first met, did you feel that?
1: So we met, we actually, um, he was in my freshman year psychology class (laughs) and he was in this group of like cute boys and we all kind of, you know, my friends were like, oh, cute boys, whatever. And we didn't actually meet until senior year in college, um, second semester. So we were about ready to like graduate and leave, but we met randomly at a bar and then we didn't actually start dating until after we graduated and um and we started talking though and like every single conversation that we would have like I just was like a conversation I'd never had with anybody else before and just like hours on the phone like I lived in Houston at the time he was back in LA and hours on the phone, just like laughing hysterically. And then like all of a sudden talking about something really meaningful and deep, you know? Um, so I, I knew that there was something different and my parents actually met him over graduation weekend, really randomly. Like we were walking across the quad and he was with his family and I was my parents and we had just really just met. And my mom, like said later, she was like, I knew like, I knew when you, when we met his family in the quad. <laughs> I'm like, how do you even remember that? Like, they met so many other people, you know? And um, she was like, I just knew that this guy was special. And so, um, yeah, That's I don't know. That's crazy. It's
0: kind of crazy. Wow. Do you mind? and just love, we... love. You what? Oh, sorry for I said I love love, but I not what we are
2: going to say, Rachel.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, totally that. And... I mean I think it's I appreciate that there's I don't want to like qualify any of it because no matter what it would be for you to feel like you met somebody that you had that kind of connection with is beautiful and I think it's like the additional depth and layers to it that aren't necessarily the rosiest is like to me that feels that actually makes it seem more real for some reason not that it has to be that way to be real but I just I appreciate the the depth that exists there and if you're open to me asking it um like how has has your relation I mean obviously your relationship changes when somebody goes through such a change and what has that experience been like for you does it even feel different does it feel very different did you have to like reconnect and again if this isn't a territory you want to go in we don't have to go there but um i'm just fascinated i've gone through yeah. very, really significant um medical things myself and i'm interested in the dynamics that come out of that for people
1: yeah i think um i'm i mean i'm happy to answer that i i I I'm an open book, <laughs> I'm super transparent with stuff, but um when Joe first got hurt he um he's like Janelle this, but he's like literally like a shining light of optimism, like you cannot meet anybody more optimistic and positive than he is <laughs> it's like it's it's wild and um he got hurt he w- we were surfing, he suffered this like non traumatic spinal cord injury that for like, basically, it took about seven hours in or to, like, for the paralysis to set in over the course of the day. And so we went to the hospital. It was kind of this really surreal experience. And, um, and then, you know, we were, we spent a few days in the hospital after he had become paralyzed in Hawaii. And then we transferred him over to, we got him transferred over to, like, a rehab hospital there before we could bring him back to the mainland. And, um, this like, I tell the story all the time because it's just shocking to me that somebody has this like in them, just like inherently naturally in them. He was being, he was in a like gurney, um, being transported in an ambulance from the hospital to the rehab center where they had basically just told him like, it's going to take a while for you to walk again if you ever do. And, um, And he, they snap his photo as he's entering the rehab hospital and he like shoots them like a Shaka sign, like hang, hang 10 with like this giant smile. And they take his photo for his pro for his like, for his file, you know? And everybody's like looking like, who's this guy? (laughs) What's happening right now? Because normally people who come here are not coming here for happy reasons, you know? And, um, and then I was actually in my grad school program at the time and to me, it was like, there was actually no question. And I got like, I got a lot of different reactions from people and, from and things and like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it was so inspiring that you with him and, um, and, you know, like, you're so amazing for doing that. And to to me, like my response was always like, um, that's not inspiring. <laughs> that's just like, that's what you do when you love somebody, you know, you don't. Um, and and it, it's not, like I also understand that not all relationships are like that and not everything, not everything works out when there is a traumatic event or a medical issue, right? Like just because that happens doesn't mean you should stay with somebody. But for me, it was, there was, there was no decision to be made, if that makes sense. It was just kind of like, yeah, this is what we're doing. We're going to do this together and we'll figure it out, you know? And, um, and it's not to say that it's been rosy and easy, like it's been far from it um, super challenging, but I think the way he reacts to it and responded to every step of the way with his outlook that he has on life naturally just brought us closer together.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's hopeful in like a, I mean, it's hopeful in the, in what it is, but just even beyond that too, um, for me, what I'm taking away is just like the ability to just allow people's journeys to evolve and to allow people to evolve and to allow you to show up and and that there is no right or wrong. And we each, you know, get to decide in each moment how we choose to be in each moment. And I don't know, it's just a, it's a very gracious example of allowing yourself to be you and allowing somebody else to be them and seeing where it goes from there. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Well, thanks for asking the question.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: couple goals.
1: <laughs> In a sense. I just
2: want to be out of the concept of, love. I, like I've I've, i Love hearing other people share those types of love stories too and like their own experience of love just as like someone who's still you know navigating what it's like to be dating and uh, currently being single and just like never like obviously, I haven't been to that point where I felt you know that dedicated to someone because of hearing him single um but it's always like, I don't know, I find it very reassuring whenever I hear someone say that story of like, it's sort of like you just, you, there's a sort of knowing in it. And it's like, okay, cool. Like one day, you know you can just trust that if it's meant to happen, like it'll happen and you'll just know. Cause so I, I know I can spin out sometimes. So I'm like, what does love feel like? Is this love? Da-da-da, you know? And Rachel said the beauty in letting people's stories evolve and not holding on too tightly necessarily to like our past versions of ourselves or our past versions of our partner, just being able to evolve and grow together, which, um, not, isn't always possible or people don't always choose to do that.
1: Absolutely. And I think too, like releasing and relinquishing the control of what you want it to. To be right, like ooh, girl.
0: Uh huh. (laughs) When
1: you when you've already like predetermined what it's supposed to look like, you know, in your head, it just um, it never looks like that. And I just keep learning. That's a lesson I keep learning over and over. um, You know, especially now as a mom, like whatever I plan or whatever I think it should be or whatever. You know, whether it was like my labor and birth, or whether it's an activity I'm doing. Like I'm like, if I have a picture in my head and I want to control the outcome, it will inevitably turn into disaster. <laughs> and um, and I think the same goes for relationships. You know, like if you if you have if you're controlling the situation or want it to be a certain way, but it it's not flowing that way. And know you and I and have talked about flow in the past and just like if it's not flowing. Um, it probably isn't. Something's not right, and some adjustments or tweaks, and like allowing it to evolve without without the control. Like then, and it starts to reveal what it's actually meant to be. And it's really hard for me to do that. It's like super hard for me because, like I said, I'm like I'm a recovering type A, <laughs> and so it's um it's a big challenge. But I, a, again, like that's where my I think my growth and my learning is to learn to continue to let go of that control.
2: You're sharing a lesson that I'm sitting in right now. <laughs> okay. Say it one more time. So I, can hear. <laughs> I was just telling Rachel and I know about, you know, the story too, but when I took the job at MindBody and like moved out to California and really honestly, like most of the things in my life that I ended up doing that were really impactful and meaningful, they're, there was some sort of like ease I mean there's definitely effort too but like it just sort of organically happened right it's like stars aligned and all of a sudden boom like you're there and not that it wasn't like you know like many times it was uncomfortable to get there or things had to happen but like there was a sense of just like yeah letting go and you're like well this is what the ride is you know I'm going down the slide there's no stopping now and there are things that I'm shifting right now and I (laughs) I keep saying to Rachel I'm like okay I feel like I'm forcing it and when I know I'm like trying to force what I'm doing right now and like I'm just gonna take a step back and just let things play out a little bit more because I can feel myself pushing and then like the the fight and the contrast and the anxiety and you know, the things that just like falling through that you want so badly to happen. And it's like, okay, (laughs) these are all signs. If I just check in for a second, like, take a step back, take a breath and just let go of the plan. And one day at a time.
1: So thank you for reminding me of that again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think there's such a difference it, between like intention setting and like setting your intention and your vision for what you want to happen, and then forcing it to happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I, I like I, I always I like really believe in like intention setting and setting that vision and having the goals that you drive towards, um, but then allowing I, one of like one of my best friends in the world I think said this right like you can go you can go from A to C and you don't always have to go through B, right? So the like the way you get there can be different. But if the like intentions are rooted in in value and and in something that's that you really like, that you really feel like is it's what you it's what you want, then then those are really great to have without forcing.
2: I was gonna say, even in that, like I love that analogy too, because a lot of the stuff that I'm pushing towards right now, like I think it'll happen. But we've talked about intuition and the Claire's in the podcast before. And generally I I say mine is a knowing, but lately like I'm actually hearing, I mean, not actually hearing, I feel like I'm like hearing it in my heart if that makes sense words. And it's just like, not yet, not yet. Like that's what I keep hearing. I'm like, God damn it, (laughs) I'm so impatient. But I know like if I pause and I stop, it's just like, I can just hear, not yet. I'm like, okay, it's not a no, but it's definitely a not yet. (laughs) But what were you gonna say, Rachel?
0: I was going to say the other thing that I've played with over the years, and I forget and I have to come back to it, but um, when I'm controlling, I'm taking up so much space that nothing else can actually co-create with me. And so uh, there's a lot of options that um, get steamrolled. And it's not even that I'm necessarily like aggressive or anything. I'm just... I'm trying to control so many aspects that I've already decided what part everybody's going to play and there's no breathing room for them to bring in some magical element that I never could have thought of. And when I am able to relinquish that control and recognize what I actually can control and um, almost pull back my, um, I mean, I see it as like actually the energetic space that I'm taking up and when I can pull it a little closer to myself, and allow somebody else's energy to come forward, like a whole new worlds open up. And I, I've been playing uh, with that in my own relationship of just, I kind of got to a point where I was exhausted from controlling. And he never asked me to do that. I just did it because I was, I had a picture in my head, <laughs> and just like you said. And when I when I'm able to pull back and just recognize, like allow other things to co-create with me is the best way I can say it. The things that show up from other people is like beyond my wildest imaginations. And when that shows up, it, it gives me access to something. It's like I couldn't swing on the swing until the swing set showed up. But if I was, you know, using that space for, my jumping jacks and my summer salts, then the swing set can never show up. And then once the swing set showed up it was like, holy shit, I can fucking swing and jump off the swing. And so um yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that uh, that is like coming to life in my heart right now as we're talking. Makes sense out
3: like the visual. Yeah.
2: Should we switch gears? Yeah. I love this conversation. And thanks, Yvette, for being game to play on a topic that we did of not course. we were going to talk about. I did warn you. Um, <laughs> but one of the the topics that came up, and when we originally spoke, it was around the concept of imposter syndrome. And back when we were at Mind Body, you had written a blog post that was shared around imposter syndrome, and. Um, coming back from maternity leave and just having um, you are uh, like having a child and, and like what that feels like coming back into the workplace. And I know that you and I, even last night when we were chatting, know that it, it, imposter syndrome extends way beyond that. Um, but would you be willing to share kind of what that experience was like um, for you when it comes to imposter syndrome? Yeah. So,
1: you know, when I think about imposter syndrome, I think about like that feeling you get when you, when, when I'm, when I'm doing something and everybody's, I feel like everybody's looking at me um, for something. And then I have like a high anxiety around meeting, meeting the, like, meeting the expectations and, and fearing that they're going to find out that, I'm like not not as good as I think I am, and and when we were talking about it, a lot, you know, in preparation for the podcast, like I was thinking, I have so many examples of when this has happened (laughs) to me in my life. Like it's just like not just one, you know. I feel like in everything from like getting accepted into Notre Dame to like getting my, you know, going to grad school to getting my first like real job um to wh- whatever it was right coming back from maternity leave there was always this feeling of like oh well I don't really deserve this or I'm sure somebody else worked harder they should probably go um and this like this feeling of like a lack of worthiness for whatever um or whatever I was actually receiving even though like I've worked extremely hard and <clears throat> you know I've uh, you know there are things that you would say like, yes, like those are well-deserved. There's this underlying feeling and tension within myself of like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I don't actually deserve that. Or maybe I can't actually do what they think I can do. And it really, you know, I think the most recent experience that I've had was last year when I came, I came back to work after, my maternity leave with with my with my daughter, my second child, and I came back, and I was, you know, balancing things at at home, trying to be a mom of two, and then, um, you know, still breastfeeding, and you know, now having to pump at work and coming into an, an office setting that felt familiar before I left, and then when I when I came back, it was, it was entirely different. You know, I think anybody who works or knows the tech world knows that. Things change so drastically fast and things are really fast paced. And, and so when you're out for a few months having a baby and then, you know, bonding with the baby and keeping the baby alive for several months with limited to no sleep and you come back, everything looks so different. And I remember feeling like I came back to a different team a different job really like my my job kind of my role changed a little bit um a lot of the people on our team were different and and then I think even we were sitting in a different place Janelle right like we were always everything (laughs) like always um like everything was changed and then I was also a different person coming back and then there was this like feeling that I had and I don't know if anyone really imposed it on you. it was just kind of a feeling I had of like I was expected, I expected myself and felt like others expected it, of me to perform at the same level that I was performing before I went on my leave. And, and, you know, as you should, right, like the business needs people to do that. But I was a different person. And I was coming into this new environment. and um, the, the team had evolved and had done such amazing things while I was on my maternity leave that I was... I was kind of questioning myself in that environment and this underlying fear of like not wanting anybody to know, right, that those were the feelings that I was having because that, you know, that can show weakness and that can show, oh, well, you know, reinforce beliefs people have of women who, professional women who go and have babies and come back to the workforce. and um, none of which, you know, I wanted for myself or for any of the other moms who were doing the same thing, you know, at the company or, you know, across the world. And, um, and so I lived in that for, for a while. Um, I lived in that, you know, that fear and the anxiety, um, I think for a while until I kind of opened up um, through, through that, through that article that I wrote and, uh, and, you know, I was asked to write for the inclusive, um, the diversity and inclusivity kind of initiative. And, and it released this, like this fear that I had. And then when I, as soon as I opened up about it, so many people wrote to me, parents, um, people who weren't parents, moms and dads alike, like, I like you just described my experience I'm like to the T, like I had that same experience when I came back, and you know you know it was incredible to hear dad saying the same thing and um and it was just this realization that I had that I think really motivated me to to write it and put it out there was that we if we isolate and we're experiencing this feeling of um like a lack of worthiness or um this insecurity and fear that what we're what we're able to contribute doesn't meet up with expectations even though we're still performing at a high level like there's a lot of isolation in that and that I I kind of figured like I can't be the only person dealing with this or experiencing this and yet nobody talks about it because it you know some people could say oh I'm ashamed of that and I think I was at some point for sure but I think whenever some if there's shame around something, and like Brene Brown's like one of my favorite people. Like you know when there's shame around something, then um, then it 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 just can collapse, right? It just collapses into itself. So when you're able to open up and um, and be vulnerable about whatever is happening and the experience, you can start to pick away at the shame, and then you realize that you're not alone and the other people and like I was, you know, was astonished to to find out like how many people actually have this like imposter syndrome that I was I was feeling like I was experiencing as well. Um that we all have self-doubt and we so many people have negative self talk and um and these kind of similar feelings regardless of what the what the experience is that brings those that brings those to the surface. And um and it just, I think, it was, it was an incredible outpour of support once I, once I opened up about it. Yeah,
0: I,
2: I remember reading that article, and not a parent, but also just being like, yeah, <laughs> yep. I mean, I even remember running the fitness studio, and especially being so young. I don't know what I was like, twenty three when I started that job and just always feeling like a complete and total fraud. I was like, who am I to do this? I've never done this before. I'm 23 years old. I've basically kind of, you know, I had one real professional experience, 11 months, maybe I think I have 11 months of professional experience outside of college. And I'm like, someone's asking me to run a business. Like, who am I? And even in my younger 20s, it, and it's funny now that I'm getting closer to it, like, yes, I'm still very young, but, like, I always wanted to be 30 because I thought, like, if I'm in my 30s, like, people will take me seriously. Like, I'll stop feeling like such a, you know, a fraud or, like, I have to, like, prove myself and that I am worthy and that I am deserving of all these opportunities and that I know things and that I'm capable of. And for me, it it, it came with the age and the experience. i like, just be 30 and then... Then it'll happen. People will stop questioning you. And really, it was just like me questioning and doubting myself. And I'm sure other people did too. Um, but I always felt like I had to be someone else
1: to have people think that I was worthy of that role. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you attach the number to it, right? Yeah. Like you can, and that's kind of that like that uh, the safety net right? in a way mm-hmm. like you can attach a number to it you can attach a degree to it I know like for me a lot of times when I'm trying and starting something new I'm like I don't have a degree in this like no one's going to take me seriously like that that's what happened to me when I joined when I like transitioned from public health to learning and development like I didn't study learning and development I don't have the methodology and the you know that background like I don't have that degree on my resume I can't like, no one's going to think I can do this. And, and it's, you know, it actually has nothing to do with that. (laughs) It it doesn't have anything to do with like the number, the age, the degree or qualifications. Like there's so many other ways for us to gain experience, to learn and to be able to do. Um, But that, like that self-talk of like, I don't have, but like, the not enough, right? And the lack of abundance is, is I feel like at, at part of the root of the, this like, um, this, the feeling of a fraud because you have to attach it to something. You like you get you you collect evidence that you, that you're right, that you're not good enough or that you're not worthy because of X, whatever that excuse is.
0: I'm curious what your relationship to imposter syndrome is now. Cause it sounds like you, um, have experienced it and you've digested it and come up with a point of view and shared and like almost like come out of the closet in in a way with it what does it look like now for you
1: yeah that's a great question I think that I don't know if it ever goes away right I think we kind of start I I start to notice the more work I do on myself and and um the more experience maybe i get with it um i start to know i if i'm if i'm tuning in i start to notice it a little bit more like why am i having that thought of um that i'm not worthy of that opportunity or you know why am i having that thought that i can't do that thing like i i notice it faster so it's not that it doesn't like happen um that self doubt i feel like it's still there and I think it's rooted in like deep experiences I've I've had in my life and you know that I could probably if I sat in therapy trace back <laughs> to my childhood you know or whatever it is and and um and yet I'm getting faster and better at asking the question like where is that coming from and you know sometimes it's maybe like I actually don't know how to do that like you know I think imposter syndrome what it isn't is like Saying, "Oh, I can do this thing that I actually have no qualifications for," right? Like that's that's not it. But it's like when you actually think you don't deserve something, or or that when you get something, you attribute it to luck. And um, and so I think for me, it's just that awareness around what where is that feeling coming from, and um, and this this just and I like you know I have an amazing partner in life who is really good at checking me on it as well. And he always lives into opportunity. <laughs> He's like Mr. Opportunity. So when, I, when, I'm, self, when I'm doubting or when I'm squashing um, an opportunity because I, you know, deep down think I'm, I'm not worthy of it. Um, I have someone in my life who's really great at bringing me out of that, which I think is also really helpful. And that's what led us to live in Santa Barbara. Like we made our 10 year vision, our now vision because, because of that, like otherwise I would have continued to probably push it out 10 years. And like, we, we can't do it for all of these, you know, long list of reasons. But again, it was like, it was that at the I'm not worthy or like the that imposter syndrome of like, I, like I can't live into that lofty vision because I actually don't, deserve it which is banana like it's bogus right like that's just like if I hear myself saying it out loud and like if I, some if my friend was saying that about themselves I'd be like like stop that like that's such negative self-talk right but that's what happens in my head sometimes
2: so relatable and just from the outside perspective too of working with you because I've definitely have negative self-talk and there's always the, that outside of experience of, to me, you you have just such a natural talent towards what you were doing and development and supporting in your ability to have, like, a vision and, like, piece things together, it, it felt like such a natural talent, so it's always, f- for me, because, again, I have negative self-talk, a ton of it, like, I'm pretty sure everyone does, um it is it's like crazy to think that you would have ever doubted yourself when like for me I was like I was always so assured of your abilities you know it's it's like that nice it's nice when other people are willing to admit that because you're like oh okay I can have negative self-talk but people can actually still believe in me and I can like I am capable
1: yeah yeah well it's that yeah it's shifting the belief right and it's um and that's the thing. I think with imposter syndrome, like from the outside looking in, you can prove like you can prove accolades, you can prove accomplishments. Um and despite all those accomplishments, you kind of just brush them off as like, oh I I, I got really lucky with this opportunity, or um, you know, oh that was that was just because of whatever X and not really attributing it to to your own um your own achievement and your own success and I got kind of snapped back into place um by this like incredible person I I worked with in Lululemon in Australia some name was Trevor he's like one of the most incredible people on the planet and as I was leaving Australia I had a very hard time leaving because I was just I just loved being there and loved my job and loved the people I worked with and loved our life there. I knew the right thing was to come back home. But when I was leaving, I said to him, I, I'm just feel so lucky to have met you and to have been able to work with you. And, and he turned around and was like, that's not luck. Those were your choices that brought you here. And that like, I hold on to that always because that took something that I was deflecting on like just it just so happened to be chance that I landed where I landed and had this this incredible journey when actually like it wasn't it was deliberate and very deliberate choices that I made that got me there and that led me to where I was then to where I am now and it's really easy and sometimes we kind of like We, we, um, paint it as humility, but, but it's not right. We're just kind of, we're deflecting the ownership of our choices when we do that. And, and when I always kind of like have Trevor in my head saying like, that wasn't luck, those were your choices. I don't believe in luck. And, and, you know, then the ownership comes back to, to you, the ownership came back to me and the like, Yeah you're right, actually, like, I did that, and I think that was my wake-up moment, and I, I I use that as my anchor whenever that's starting to bubble up again for me, I go back to that.
0: I was gonna say, is there, when don't you have, when don't you experience imposter syndrome, and, like, what's there that almost, like, blocks you from self-doubt? Like, how can you allow that voice to not impede is it choice mm. I don't know maybe it's not
1: yeah I think it's like it's it's confidence right it's like it's choice and confidence it's like acknowledgement of the things that I have done and what I have worked hard for um and this has only come like recently I think in my life Um, that I, that I'm really owning that. And, and so when I, when I now, and I'm actually like in the process of looking for new opportunities and kind of moving on to the next thing in my, in my life, I, I feel a very, a very strong sense of confidence that I can, that I can do it and that I, and that I am worthy of it. Um, which is very different from where I've been in the past.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting because today in the training that I was in, we uh, – CTI utilize, uses the verbiage saboteur and um, mm-hmm. inner leader, I think, um, which is sounds kind of similar. I mean, this is a saboteur that's very specific to um, – feeling like an imposter but we can have saboteurs that show up many times when we go to take a step and being able to recognize and put a face to just like what you were saying like put it in out into the open share it so that we don't self-isolate and it almost becomes it becomes a life of its or it gets a life of its own and it gets bigger but being able to just call it out and, and put a visual to it Uh, allows us to be able to recognize it as something outside of ourselves. And then on the flip, it's like tapping into that inner leader, that part of us that does make us feel confident. Because sometimes saying like, I want to be confident, at least for me, it can feel very like, yes, I do. And to connect to the experience of that can feel tenuous And, um, so it's been a cool exercise in recognizing what, what can I visualize that is within me that is that saboteur so that when it shows up, I can be like, oh, there's that fighter. There's that part of myself that actually can be great, but also can work against me. And when that happens, do I want to bypass it? Can I bypass it? Do I want to work with it? What do I do when I work with it? What else is here? Um, So it's, yeah, it's interesting. And that it never does go away, right? It's a part of this human experience. For whatever reason, I believe it's because we are here to be able to experience the fullest expression of life through, you know, um, tangible life. (laughs) And that includes all of it that's not um, curated to only be the rainbows. That's the totality of it, which means that we also need to have the inner critic because that is all of it in tangible form. So, yeah. The
2: idea of choice, I like you bringing it up here because I've been playing with that even in the more negative aspects of life, too, where if we're unhappy in our situation, like, yes, I do believe sometimes things happen and they're, they can be out of our control. But generally, the situations that we're in, they are due to choice, or maybe even the lack of choice (laughs) that we're not really, like, proactively leaning into something, and we're just on autopilot. um, That has gotten us to where we are. But I like that Which
0: like, is I've still been
2: choice, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is still choice. Yeah. Like the lack of choice is choice. And um I've been leaning into it and in more like if I'm unhappy with something rather than being like, oh, I'm a victim. It's like, okay, well you made choices and decisions or that got you here. Um so you can make choices or decisions <laughs> that can remove you from this. Um but I also like to call out too that a lot of times we diminish, that as he said, our accomplishments and say it's luck. But that that is also choice because I've done that before too. And I think I don't know if it was you, Rachel, or one of our guests that has worked with me has even called me out on that too. Where I'm just like, well, I don't know, it just like happened. I was there, and I just things happen. And you're like, well, you do things to make that happen. I'm like, I guess I do. <laughs> So it's nice to hear the balance of just like everything. It always just comes back to you, right? <laughs> Your own decisions. Um, I think we have more more control in ways more than we believe. But at the same time, there's that ease of letting go. It's just such a weird balance that I'm constantly playing with. Like, How am I actively working towards my goals and making choices that lead me to those? But then also just not getting super attached to some outcome that is not yet determined. It's
1: such a
0: uh. <laughs> yeah, well and,
1: it's like such a balancing act. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and to tie it back to the conversation at the beginning, which I know didn't seem like there were dotted lines, but there totally are. Like that trusting in the evolving nature of us and the things around us is is like a beautiful a beautiful thing. You know, and to be yeah I guess that like period (laughs) like remembering that as it continues to evolve like can I dance with this right now um allowing that all the aspects of it to be here and the parts that I chose that I didn't realize I chose and the parts that I chose that I actually real you know proactively chose and that it got me here and now this is where I am and um So I think the gesture at the beginning uh, is like a good reminder of that ability to kind of just dance a little bit in the evolution of things.
3: Dancing with
2: life.
0: Easier said than done sometimes.
2: (laughs) I know. I think I'm stepping on life's toes constantly right now.
0: Oops. And that's or maybe an life is stepping on my
2: test. I don't know.
0: I mean, that's an experience to have, too, though. I mean, you learn a lot from those yeah. times also. And I'm speaking to myself because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like sometimes I can think to myself, what a waste of fucking time that I just, like, wasted all that time. But, like, no. Like, all of it is worthwhile experiences to have and we can again you have choice in how you look at it like I can choose to look at it as a wasted time and and lean into like okay this is what it feels like to feel like I wasted time what do I want to do with that like there's actually so much in all of it that we can take away um, I find it's, when I'm going so fast it's hard for it's hard to remember that but when I can there's just so much fruitful data, information, life in all of it that can be parsed out to learn about ourselves, to learn about life, to learn about each other. And I just want more of that. Because then it's like if I'm literally in this moment with that much openness to it, I can almost experience like a lifetime in just a, a minute. Like so much is there. And that's pretty cool too.
1: Yeah, I also I also like along those lines. So strongly feel that whatever is happening, like especially when we're going through like time of crisis or like a really challenging, difficult time, whether it's uh, you know self inflicted through through these like limiting beliefs that we have, or actually like something external is happening that is making things incredibly difficult. and this is just like really true to me right now because we experienced a really tough, I mean, everyone's experienced a tough 2020, right? Like we can all agree on that. Um, last year, we, our, our family had a series of incredible challenges and, and everything that happened seemed like really hard until the next thing happened <laughs> that was like even harder. and, and in the in the moment right like it's it's hard to do this but but after a while we were kind of like oh like everything that's happening seems to be preparing us for the next thing ahead and and it, you know i think whatever if you can if you look back on life you kind of start to see that that the things that happen prepare you like whether they're good or bad you know challenging or welcomed in life the the things that you learn, if if we can take time to reflect on them, they they teach us such important things that actually prepare us to deal with the next challenge that might be even greater, and and I think that that um, that like that awareness then in a way tying it back to you know imposter syndrome is this feeling that that I don't either know enough or don't have enough or am am I not good enough, right? Like if we can recall back the times when we learned something that's helpful in that current situation, or we overcame something that was challenging, whether in a similar way or a different way, that it can help build that like that confidence or build the muscle to be able to deal with what's in front of you and whatever it is, like the insecurity that you're feeling about. That situation that's happening right now, like calling on those experiences and the knowledge that you've gained from them in the past, help us because those have all those didn't happen like in jest, right? Those happened for for a reason to 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 really. I don't know if it's protection or just like to prepare us um, for what's ahead, and it, you know, I don't know if like. I don't know if, if I feel or if you guys feel, like, um, relief in that or more anxiety. i <laughs> be like, this isn't the hardest it's going to get. But don't worry. You'll be prepared for it when it comes. But, like, I just – I I feel like that's very true for me in my life in the last couple of years.
0: I mean, sitting I here – <laughs> It's interesting because like sitting here right now I'm like oh I'm sure somebody has said that to me before they had to have but hearing it today I'm like oh god that feels good like yeah totally it's those things that I went through totally prepared me for the things for right now literally what we're going through well not literally Um, (laughs) but like a lot of what we've been invited as a collective to step into this year there have been facets of my life that I was like whoa this sucks like this totally sucks that I have cancer like this totally sucks that I had that happen in my childhood and I mean it wasn't an overnight thing that I could look at it as preparedness but you know I I had to have the space to feel my feelings in it And I for sure can step into a space of this is preparing me. Like I love that invitation. It almost invites a celebratory nature to the times in our lives that are a little bit uncomfortable or a lot. There's a conversation today that somebody was having where they're like maybe one of my values is actually failure. And I want to celebrate and be a champion of failure. And it has a similar connotation to me of like, could you look at, could you choose to have something like imposter syndrome be a value, be something that is like a necessity, oh my gosh, I can't use words, a necessity, a necessity, um, to prepare you like maybe that's an indicator of like I am being prepared for something I don't know I I I like the play on um I love getting curious and kind of figuring out if there's other doors to come into at things and again not that I think I really try not to just jump from the start line to the finish line because the part in between is I feel very very important and this idea can be helpful along the way of not getting so wrapped up in the drama of the emotions around the pull downs that come with life inevitably. I needed this conversation.
2: (laughs) I'm grateful for both of your wisdom and experiences and reminders.
0: Yeah same
2: that we always yeah. ask people at the end of the podcast if you could describe how you live your true north in one word what would
1: that word be mm. my word is gross and you know I think really recognizing that when things get hard, because like we've been talking about, inevitably they will. Um, it's just always an opportunity and an invitation to grow.
0: Yes, it is. I'm 2020, taking the year of growth. The year of preparedness, man. <laughs> what is this fucking preparedness uh. for? <laughs> I love Something big. <laughs> Something fucking big. Yeah. Oh oh man.
2: And then if anyone would want to follow up with you, reach out to you, continue the conversation, is there a good place or is that they would be able to do that?
1: Yeah, I think the best place would be on Instagram uh, at mom's talk trash and message me, follow. It's kind of a, a different, a different journey I'm on on my low waste journey. But it all ties in with self improvement, you know, trying new things and um, trying to reduce our family's waste one step at a time. Yeah.
2: I know. I feel like that's a whole nother conversation. I would love. Yeah, you're <laughs> to coming have back on. Mm-hmm.
1: I'd love that.
0: Moms talk trash. It's so good. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, well, a little I'm surprise get... in there for you.
1: Yeah. You what? <laughs> I said it's a, there's a little surprise in there for you because, you know, we're talking about trash, but we don't trash talk anybody. So <laughs>
0: I just, yeah, it's so good. I love that. Do you that. swear? Yvette, do you swear? Oh, do I swear? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I didn't hear that. Um, I do, I okay. do, okay. but it, like it will come out when it feels really natural. Like I used to be a sailor, and uh-huh. I think now with kids, I censor myself a lot because anything I say will be repeated, you know, like as if they're a parrot. So, i i have I have learned to censor.
0: Yeah, I love it.
2: It's a tough skill set. I was just around children last week, and I was like, "Oh shoot, shoot, Janelle, don't open your mouth."
1: I mean, you can't even say Which, "shoot," that's so right? so funny that you say that. That's oh, so funny I don't that know. You say that, you know? because my son, um, he says "shoot" all the time, and <laughs> I actually don't know where he gets it from. Like, because neither of my husband, like I don't think we use that word, <laughs> and he's always like he'll like drop something and be like, "Oh shoot," and I'm <sighs> like, <laughs> he's four. It's, it's really funny I mean <laughs> it's better than it's you know, the but has Jai been
2: listening to the Friday night zoom calls so no, I don't think I censor is. I'm just like oh shoot yeah. I think that's after bedtime but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. well thank you Yvette I am very grateful that you came on and had this conversation with us and thank you for sharing everything
0: yeah thank so you nice guys to meet so you. much it's such, such.
1: <laughs> nice to meet you too Rachel yeah
3: This has been another episode of the true north collective podcast for more from Rachel and I check us out on the gram at the true north collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast until next time.